For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. I will arise and go forth to the house of my father. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. House of my young. Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject the themes of the Feast of Shavuot, or Pentecost. This is part one of the series. We are currently doing a series on the biblical festivals. In this session, we are going to do a teaching regarding the themes of Shavuot, or the Feast of Pentecost. The first thing that we want to look at is when is Shavuot, which is the Hebrew term that means sevens, the term that we normally use is Pentecost outside of using the Hebrew word in traditional Christianity. In Leviticus chapter 23, verses 15 and 16, it will tell us that Shavuot is 50 days after first fruits and you shall count unto you from the morrow after the sabbath from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering seven sabbaths shall be complete even unto the morrow after the seventh sabbath shall you number 50 days and you shall offer a new meat offering unto the lord therefore shavuot or pentecost is Seven complete weeks plus one day or 50 days following the festival of first fruit. In Leviticus chapter 23 verse 15, when it makes mention of the counting from the day that you brought the sheaf, the word sheaf there is the Hebrew word omer. It is the Strong's number 6,016. Therefore, this seven weeks of counting is referred to as the counting of the omer. Shavuot follows the season of Passover and unleavened bread. So you have the season of Passover, unleavened bread. You have the seven weeks of counting the Omer, and then you arrive at Shavuot or Pentecost. There is a traditional prayer that is done in Orthodox Judaism for counting the Omer. The traditional prayer, first in Hebrew, is Baruch Atah Yahweh Eloheinu Melech Olam Asher Kitshanu B'Mitzvotah Vitivanu Al Seferet HaOmer. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the 
universe who has sanctified us with his commandments and commanded us concerning the counting of the Omer. How is the counting done in traditional Judaism? It is done this way. For days, you would say, today is the one day of the Omer. For weeks, you would say, today is seven days, which are one week of the Omer. For a combination of days and weeks, you would say, today is 26 days, which are three weeks and five days of the Omer. And after you complete the seven weeks of counting, the next day is the celebration of the holiday of Shavuot, or the 50th day. In traditional Judaism, it is a custom that following the counting of the Omer, you read Psalm 67. The reason given for reading Psalm 67 is that this psalm has 49 words in Hebrew which is going to correspond to the seven complete weeks or 49 days of the counting of the Omer. If you look at Psalm 67 in its detail, it is actually a prayer for the Messianic era. And so let's look at Psalm 67, some of the verses contained therein, and see some of the phrases that that makes a association or connection to the Messianic era. In Psalm 67 verse 1, it says, God be merciful unto us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. The phrase, his face shining upon us, is a reference to the mercy of the God of Israel. His mercy is associated with redeeming his people and the redemption from the worldwide exile of the house of Jacob is going to be associated with the messianic era so that phrase is linked with the redemption from exile and thus the messianic era psalm 67 verse 2 that your way may be known upon the earth your saving health among all nations it's during the messianic era that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the lord as the waters cover the sea and that your way is known upon the earth among all nations psalm 67 verse 4 O let the nations be glad and sing for joy for you shall judge the people righteously and govern the nations upon the earth when's he judging the people it says in Isaiah chapter 2 verse 4 that he will rule during the messianic era with a rod of iron and he's governing the nations upon the earth he's ruling and reigning over them Psalm 67 verse 6 then shall the earth yield her increase this is the blessings upon on the earth during the messianic era it's described as being bountiful and fruitful in psalm 67 verse 7 god shall bless us and all the ends of the earth shall fear him when is all the earth got to have a reverence for messiah it is going to be during the messianic era so psalm 67 is actually a prayer that pertains to the messianic era there is and has been for at least 2000 years a great controversy regarding how do you count the Omer? In the first century, various sects 
such as the Sadducees, the Boethusians, and the Essenes. The Essenes are the group that lived in the Dead Sea or the Qumran area. And later, the Karaites, which means biblical scripturalists, had a disagreement with the Pharisees, who are traced today to rabbinic Judaism on when you start counting the Omer. The Boethusians were considered a sect of the Sadducees. They received their name from Simon, son of Bothus, who was appointed high priest by Herod the Great in 24 before the Common Era. And this is recorded for us by Josephus in Antiquity, chapter 15, section 320. The Sadducees, Boethusians, and Karaites maintain that the counting of the Omer should begin the first day following the weekly Sabbath. The Essenes believed it started on the Sunday after the end of the entire eight-day festival, which would be one week later, depending upon how things fell that particular year within the framework of the seven-day week. It would fall upon certain circumstances one week later than the Sadducees, Boethusians, and the Karaites. The Pharisees, which are traced to modern rabbinic Judaism today, maintains that the counting should begin on Aviv or Nisan 16, which is the day following the first day of unleavened bread. The Pharisees affirm that the date of the counting should be Aviv or Nisan 16. We can see this from the Talmud in Menahot 65a, which says the following. What was the procedure? The messengers of the Beit Din used to go out on the day before the festival and tie the unreaped corn in bunches to make it easier to reap. All the inhabitants of the towns nearby assembled there so that it might be reaped with much display. As soon as it became dark, he called out, Has the sun set? And they answered, Yes. Has the sun set? And they answered, Yes. With this sickle? And they answered, Yes. With this sickle? And they answered, Yes. Into this basket? And they answered, Yes. Into this basket? And they answered, Yes. On the Sabbath, he called out further. On this Sabbath? And they said, Yes. Once again, on this Sabbath? And they answered, Yes. Shall I reap? And they answered, Reap. Shall I reap? And they answered, Reap. He repeated every manner three times, and they said, Yes, yes, yes. And why was this done? Because of the Boethusians, who maintained that the reaping of the Omer was not to take place at the conclusion of the first day of the festival. So they were making a religious point in what they were doing and how they were doing it. For the Boethusians held that the Feast of Weeks must always be on the day after the weekly Sabbath. What is the Karite view and what are their arguments for their position? In Leviticus chapter 23 verse 11 it says, And he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord to be accepted for you. On the morrow after the Sabbath the priest shall wave it. In Hebrew where it says the Sabbath, it is in Hebrew Ha-Shabbat. And the Karites say that Ha-Shabbat, that Shabbat refers to the weekly Sabbath. Because it says Ha-Shabbat, which means the Shabbat, they say the Shabbat is a reference back to the seventh day in creation, the day that the God of Israel rested from his 
work of creating the heavens and the earth, which is found in Genesis chapter 2 and verses 1 through 3. Furthermore, the Karaites say that if the counting begins on Aviv or Nisan 16, and this day falls in the middle of the week, you cannot begin start counting in the middle of the week and count seven complete weekly Sabbaths, because the commandment in Leviticus chapter 23 verse 15 says that you shall count seven Sabbaths, shall you count seven complete Sabbaths. Furthermore, the Karaites support their view from Leviticus chapter 23 verse 14 it says, And ye shall eat neither bread nor parched corn nor green ears until the selfsame day that you have brought an offering unto your God. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations in all your dwellings. So you're not allowed to eat bread or parched corn or green ears until you've brought the first fruit offering offering unto your God. In Joshua chapter 5 verses 10 and 11 it is written, And the children of Israel encamped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at even in the plains of Jericho. Then it says in Joshua chapter 5 verse 11, And they did eat of the old corn of the land on the morrow after the Passover. The Karaites say that the phrase morrow after the Passover is referring to the 15th of Aviv or Nisan and the Passover is making a reference to the 14th day when the Passover sacrifice was made and then it says that they ate unleavened cakes and parched corn in the selfsame day which means that they according to Leviticus 23:14, you cannot eat the unleavened cakes and parched corn until you have brought the first fruit offering and so they say here that the first fruit offering couldn't have been made on the 16th so here the morrow after the Passover and the day of the Omer offering back in Joshua chapter 5 verses 10 and 11 was the Karaites say the 15th of Aviv and so thus invalidate the rabbinical view. Furthermore the Karaites say to substantiate that interpretation of Joshua chapter 5 verse 11 that the morrow after the Sabbath is referring to the 15th day of Aviv or Nisan they make a connection to Numbers chapter 33 verse 3 which says and they departed from Ramses in the first month on the 15th day of the first month on the morrow after the Passover. Here they're saying the 15th day is using the same phrase morrow after the Passover which appears in Joshua chapter 5 verse 11 thus validating that the morrow after the Passover is indeed the 15th day of the first month. They say therefore in Joshua chapter 5 verse 11 the Passover on the 14th of Aviv in that year would have taken place then on a Saturday. That's the Karite view. Now let's look at the rabbinic Jewish view or the Pharisee view going back to the first century. In Leviticus chapter 25 verse 8, the word Sabbath appears. It says, And you shall number seven Sabbaths. The Strong's number is 7676. And this is the Hebrew word Shabbat. You shall number seven Sabbaths of years unto you, seven times seven years in the space of of the seven Sabbaths of years shall be unto you 49 years. The rabbinical view is that the
the word Sabbath doesn't always necessarily mean the weekly Sabbath. Here the word Sabbath is connected with just a seven, a period of seven years and association with a period of time that's connected with a seven. It could be seven years, it could be seven months, it could be seven days. It just means and can mean a seven. Furthermore, in looking at Leviticus 23 verse 11 and the phrase on the morrow after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it, they say the rabbinical Pharisaic view is that the Sabbath here refers to the day of rest and the high Sabbath of the first day of unleavened bread. Aviv or Nisan 15 is specified as being a day of rest and it is a Shabbaton. Another argument that they give is that Shavuot or Pentecost is a celebration of the giving of the Torah at Mount Sinai, which the rabbis say happened on Savan 6. Therefore, in order to have the celebration to be on Savan 6, the counting of the Omer should begin on Aviv or Nisan 16. Then, looking at Joshua chapter 5, verses 10 and 11, as the rabbis are going to interpret the phrase Morrow after the Passover in Joshua chapter 5 verse 11, they're going to say that sequence in Joshua chapter 5 verses 10 and 11 is the following. The 14th of Aviv or Nisan, the Passover is kept. And then the very next day is the commandment to keep the first day of unleavened bread, which is a high Sabbath. It's a Shabbaton. So on the 15th, they did this. Therefore, Joshua 5:11, when it refers to the morrow after the Passover, the word Passover there is not referring to to the 14th or the day when the Passover lamb is sacrificed but it's referring to the Passover season of which Passover and unleavened bread are related and connected together as a season and both together they can be called the Passover season so Passover the rabbis say is referring to the season and not just the Passover sacrifice that would have been done or is associated with the 14th furthermore they say that when you eat the Passover meal when you eat the meal, the eating of the meal extends into the 15th of Aviv or Nisan and so therefore the morrow after the Passover, if the meal extends in the 15th, the next day would be the 16th, so the morrow after the Passover in Joshua chapter 5 verse 11 is referring to the 16th of Aviv and not the 15th as the Karaites would view it. Let's look at another principle of understanding how Shavuot is connected to the coming out of Egypt by asking the question, when is the conclusion of Passover? The counting of the Omer, it is seen as actually what connects the coming out of Egypt in the Passover season with the celebration of Shavuot. And in Exodus chapter 3 verse 12, we can see how the God of Israel linked the coming out of Egypt with the events that took place at Mount Sinai. In Exodus chapter 3 verse 12, it says, he said, certainly I will be with you and this shall be a token unto you that I have sent you when you have brought forth the people out of Egypt you will thus serve God upon this mountain, referring to Mount Sinai. There's a connection with coming out of Egypt, which is associated with Passover or being redeemed. The purpose of that was to serve him on the mountain, so thus it is connected with Pentecost. In order to make the connection, it is said that Shavuot or Pentecost is the conclusion of coming out of Egypt or the Passover season. The Hebrew word is atzeret. Pentecost is the atzeret or the conclusion 
of Passover. In looking at counting the Omer in Leviticus chapter 23 verse 15, once again the word sheaf that appears in the verse is the Strong's number 6016. It's the Hebrew word Omer, and an Omer means a dry measure one tenth of an ephah, or it can mean a sheaf. We can see this definition of an Omer in Exodus chapter 16, verse 36, which says, Now an Omer is the tenth part of an ephah. The rabbis, in examining Exodus chapter 16, verse 36, the Omer is a tenth of of an ephah interpreted the word omer as a measure of grain and also ruled that the omer is to be brought of barley only. This is found in the Talmud in Menahot 68b. A sheaf in the Bible can represent a person or a group of people. We can see this from Genesis chapter 37 verse 5 and verse 7. And Joseph dreamed a dream and he told it to his brethren and they hated him yet the more. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field and lo, my sheaf arose and also stood upright and behold, your Four sheaves stood round about and made obedience to my sheaf. What does the counting of the Omer represent spiritually to us as believers and Yeshua as the Messiah being a people who are in covenant relationship with the God of Israel? Counting the Omer represents growing in spiritual maturity. In Ephesians chapter 4 verses 14 and 15 it says that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive but speaking the truth in love may grow up unto him in all things which is the head even messiah these verses in ephesians chapter 4 verses 14 and 15 speaks about the spiritual growth process of a believer in the messiah where we grow up into him in the full maturity let's look what was done with the omer and see how it has a application spiritually for us as believers in yeshua the messiah in menahot chapter 10 sections 1 through 5 in the Mishnah it describes what was done to the Omer. If the barley was ripe it was taken from the vicinity of Jerusalem otherwise it could be brought from anywhere in Israel. It was reaped by three men each with his own skiff and basket. The grain was then brought to the temple where it was threshed or beaten as well as being parched and spread on the courtyard floor to be dried by the wind milled and ground into fine flour. What is the spiritual meaning of the Omer which can represent a person so we're applying it to us as individuals who have come out of Egypt which is a type of the world and the world system and our destiny is to serve the God of Israel. Being threshed or beaten represents humility. How can we see this? In Isaiah chapter 41 verses 14 and 15 it is written Fear not thou worm Jacob and you men of Israel. I will help Help you, says the Lord, and your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Behold, I will make you a new sharp threshing instrument having teeth. You shall thresh the mountains. And what happens when you thresh the mountains? And beat them small and shall make the hills as chaff. Mount Sinai itself 
where the commandments were given to the nation of Israel by the God of Israel represents humility. In Midrash Tehillim, which is Psalms, on Tehillim or Psalms chapter 68 verse 17, the comment is the following. The God of Israel chose Mount Sinai for the giving of the Torah because it is the smallest of the mountains, thus emphasizing the importance of receiving and learning the ways of the God of Israel with humility. The Bible says that those who are humble will be exalted. In Isaiah chapter 57 and verse 15 it is written, For thus says the high and lofty one that inhabit eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble well that's going to conclude part one of the series on the subject the themes of the feast of shavuot or pentecost shalom in yeshua the messiah amen Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts. In order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others, we are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and... Please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.